Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is Pablo Sabaleta. This is Troy Dini. This is Kevin Phillips. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I traveled to all these interviews from Barcelona. And our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Hunter, and we'll bring you joy. From Backpage, I'm Martin Gregg, and this is a special edition where we're previewing Wednesday's Champions League quarterfinal first leg between Manchester United and FC Barcelona. On the line from Barcelona is Graham Hunter. And Graham, I was watching 11 Sports on Saturday night, uh, Barca Atleti 2-0 to the home side. Yeah, let's talk about Saturday night's game. I think it's a good launch pad to lead us into the game on Wednesday. Solskjaer and Terry Phelan were in the stands, obviously, watching the game. And I mean, in terms of the notes that they were they would have been taking Graham if we had a sneak peek of, of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's notepad what would have been the main points he might have taken away from Saturday night do you think? Well I, I would have thought that in an offensive sense um, he would have looked to try and um, isolate Longley because you know they, they had scouts at the Ceramica the old Madrigal for the VRL game in midweek which is 4-4 they um, there was three. There was Michael Carrick was at sort of pitch level in the stands, not in the in the main box. Both Phelan and Solskjaer were pretty extensively pictured by the TV cameras coming in at the uh, the beginning and at halftime. And and Michael was down at pitch level. W- what they would have drawn uh, was not original conclusions because clearly they'll have had Barcelona watched intermittently since the draw was made, probably intermittently throughout the season. Uh, given the idea that they may, you know, lots of clubs look at Barcelona and say there will be there will be castoffs we may want to buy there. So I'd imagine that probably United have seen Barcelona in person two or three times over the season already. And since the draws made, I'll be surprised if they haven't watched, you know, been in, in, in at games in person on three occasions, including uh, Saturday night. And therefore, I guess the notes that, you know, the conclusions that, that are on the, the, their iPads now will have been drawn towards Saturday night. And, and they will have thought, well, you know, the Umtiti Longley experiment not working in midweek in the 4-4, they will understand about Umtiti's lack of match practice. They will understand that unless there's a, a calamity befalls Gerard Piquet between now and Wednesday, then he starts and that makes a difference. And if it's Longley, which on form and sharpness, it's almost bound to be. And one of the things that they will, without question, be able to uh, pinpoint is the fact that 
Longley at 24 is still learning his game. He, he's been given an enormous amount of praise, Martin, because Barcelona are, uh, since that partnership of um, Piquet and Longley became established, Barcelona have begun to concede fewer goals. They do look like a partnership. And I think that there's been um, analysis which is out of kilter and probably won't be what United are, are, the conclusion that United are coming to. The analysis which is out of kilter has been that Longley is having a wonderful season. He's having a very good season, but Piquet is undoubtedly bossing him and protecting him and making things much, much easier for him because Piquet is having one of the seasons of his life. A couple of glitches in the first eight games, and I mean a couple of glitches. Um, slightly difficult when playing with no central defensive partner against Girona at home because Longley was sent off. Slightly difficult because Barcelona were very lazy and, 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 and failing to uh, press the ball um, and, and failing to be stringent position-wise away to Leganes. Aside from that, this this easily ranks as one of Piquet's best seasons. And therefore, coming back to my point about magnifying glass, Solskjaer, not only as coach, but as ex-striker, will be looking at Longley and saying, number one, if you turn him and you ask him to run with you, he's not particularly quick. Two, for us, a modern centre-half, he's not particularly strong. If you go, if, if there's a, a contest where it's body against body, uh, Lukaku, if, assuming Lukaku does start, uh, Lukaku, or Rashford too, who's brutally strong, I mean, Lukaku is is still stronger because, you know, physically he's he's extremely gifted. But either of those try to turn Longley or in the clash with Longley if it's a fifty fifty ball. I'm also talking about rolling him, but one on one Longley won't enjoy that, and and, and therefore for Barcelona it's clear you, you try to not get in that situation. You try to control the ball, cut off the supply, all these things that people are used to. But Solskjaer will be saying. You know, isolate and and run at or try to turn Longley is 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 number one for absolute sure. And I think that although there wasn't massive amount of evidence of this, they'll know already uh, on Saturday. Pardon me, they'll know already that Barcelona are not fantastic aerially. You know, PK can win the ball with anybody, but uh, again, he's not immune to misjudgments. It's also the case that the ball into the box is something where Barcelona are only. When I say into the box, Martin, I'd be, I'd be better saying, particularly from open play rather than set plays, from open play, the ball into an area between you know, the six-yard box and the penalty spot is something where Barcelona are not all that sure whether it's Stegen coming for it or it's PK or it's Longley. Or, and they have two small full-backs generally. Semedo's slightly taller, but not massively so. So if it's Alba and Roberto, then you don't have a lot of help. Suarez is front post, you know, because they do a mix of... Zonal and, and man-to-man. Suarez goes front of the six-yard box to, to cut off you know, sh- short corners that come to first post, free kicks that come to first post, that's fine. But undoubtedly, Manchester United have an aerial ability, an aerial advantage over football club pass on us. Oscar's notes, he'll have looked at Jimenez winning the ball once for a free header and also Rodri getting in Jimenez's way for what would have been a goal, I think. If Rodri, who's in front of his teammate, doesn't jump and get a header that goes over, it lands plumb on the Uruguayans' head for him to knock it home, I think. And therefore, these are minor things, but scouting is about picking out the things that your average Joe 
um, doesn't see it. It's about picking up things you don't see on the TV. So that that's why they yeah. want. Yeah. Just like Pep when he was the, the B team coach, insisted on having scouting cameras that picked up the entire pitch, not just followed the action. So they'll have been looking at Barcelona positionally, how high they are in terms of when they've got the ball, what high, high line they, they hold and, and the ball in behind is going to be something that United, wherever it is, particularly at Camp Nou in the second line, but certainly at Old Trafford, the ball in behind is something they will undoubtedly try to profit from because they play no team, including City, that plays quite such a high line as Football Club Barcelona does. And yet... I think City are slightly more athletic at the back and and therefore easier. They, City find it easier to cope with the, if there's a ball over the top. I don't particularly like that. So amongst other things, those three things will have come on the notepads of um, um, Phelan and Solskjaer and Carrick for absolute certain. Let's talk a little bit about the, the strange case of Philip Coutinho. We were talking a little bit before we started recording about the fact that things just aren't quite clicking with him. In particular, there was a great chance I was referring to where Suarez plays this beautiful little dink, dink pass into his path and he opens it up and he's one-on-one with Oblak and instead of lifting his head... He just he just keeps his head down and drives it straight at the keeper, and it was just a great example of a guy who who the, the pieces of the jigsaw aren't quite fitting together for him. Can you tell us a little bit about the kind of the point that he's at in terms of his form? Yeah, it's it's an extraordinary thing. If he hadn't cost you know with with add-ons and bonuses up to 160 million euros, then he'd have been dropped long, long, long ago. I can't prove this, but my intuition is that because Barcelona are intent on selling him this summer, Valverde has been told when you can play him, do play him, because when we come to negotiate with clubs and they say, look, crucial league decider against Atleti, he didn't even play him. What are you talking about? 140 million or 120, or whatever the actual knockdown price is at the moment. You know, football football's transfer market is is a little bit only fools and horses. And you know, the degree to which you don't play your star player erodes his you know his off the rack value um, when you come to sell him. And therefore, Barcelona isn't a club where the, the the board say to the manager, "You must play this guy." That's not what we're talking about. But particularly with the the injury of Dembele means that Coutinho has played more because Dembele was at such a level of form and impact that Coutinho would have played 60% fewer matches uh, this season had um, Dembele not been badly injured. And then um, I would have said that Malcolm, at the time at which Coutinho takes over from Dembele, Malcolm isn't trusted to the extent that he is now. He had this, the the younger of the two Brazilians is is, is for my taste, by far the more reliable, more impactful footballer. And if you, again, if you want to extrapolate from that point you made about Coutinho's finish where he's through one-on-one with Oblak, who he knows is monstrously big, monstrously talented. You don't just, you know, close your eyes and kick. You, you look up and, and Coutinho is skilled enough because nobody's doubting his technique that a, a tiny glance at where they were um, positionally, then any kind of bend on the ball uh, to Oblak's left hand, that that right-footed finish, which is, you know, Coutinho's preferred foot is his right. He's able on his left, but his preferred foot is his right. And you open your body slightly um, clockwise and you just clip it with a little bit of bend on it. And, and you've not only put your side one nil up, but you've erased so many of your own personal doubts. You've won more affection from the fans. The players around you have more confidence in you. And... What you saw on Saturday, Steve agreed with me. Steve Archibald, you know, my point was that when he was when Coutinho was substituted, which is about thirty-four minutes into the second half, it was thirty-four minutes too late. 
And and that isn't you know an attack on Coutinho. It, it's simply the fact that percentage-wise, his his the the trajectory of his learning about how Barcelona play, how to play alongside Messi, and what's required of him, Coutinho individually, that trajectory of learning is is stunted. It, he hasn't advanced in an, an you know it's it's different from the causes of of Ibrahimovic, but it's a little bit like watching Ibrahimovic who is consistently insisted well this is how I play yeah, well that's not what you came for and and um, Coutinho is not the same type of personality at all but the result is the same it's like but but this used to work for me a little trick a dink through somebody's legs um, a little run and a shot well alright but you've been picked off and and choose the right time he'll often give the ball to Messi at the wrong time if he's done two three things that haven't worked he'll go oh now I better curry favour and give it to Messi and no not now that wasn't the right time in terms of Dembele it looks as if he's pretty close to fitness do, do you think that he might come back into the team on Wednesday against Manchester United and uh, expensive continue I don't know he'll travel I'm pretty sure he'll travel he's done enough training that, again unless there's a setback he's on that plane to, to, to Manchester starting I think there are several things that suggests maybe not uh, one I, I, I restate my point of view that I think that there's a general theme to Valverde of saying if you can play this guy do play him and uh, and listen we're putting a microscope on Coutinho because Barcelona won alright they won without his help but you know he was on the pitch for I don't know what 45 and 34 hours I genuinely can't add that well but but nearly 80 minutes was he on for, I think. And therefore, you know, the idea of Coutinho starting at Old Trafford if Barcelona play well just adds a little bit of luster to his value, whether it's United or Paris Saint-Germain buying him or Inter Milan or whoever the heck it is. There's, there's a gentle theme there of if you can get a tune out of him, try to. Secondly, I'm not convinced that Valverde is as hypercritical of him as I am. I think that Valverde likes Coutinho as an individual guy and, and t- to be fair <clears throat> there's nobody whispering from the training ground well you know he's a little idiot or he's selfish or he's he's here to smoke a cigar and have his holidays none of that. I think people quite like Coutinho. He's timid I think too timid but I think they understand his determination. I think that some of the, I think the players understand that some of the flaws that we're seeing come from a certain lack of self-confidence on the pitch and maybe it's Quite a long time, I would say, because his time at Inter, I think, was 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 pretty good. But maybe that year at Espanyol is the last time that we've seen him looking quite like this. And therefore, Valverde, who's a very good man manager, who's proven very adept one on one with Messi, uh, with Vidal, uh, with Busquets, um, with Alba. In, in a variety of situations where they've either needed encouragement or they need to understand that the, the coach is on their wavelength or there's a little bit of a ticking off in the case of Vidal. Valverde's handled all of that really well and I think Valverde is a believer, um, to quote um, uh, Davy Jones, thinks that Coutinho can still turn the corner. And therefore, given that Dembele has had recurrent injuries, Martin, I, I, I think that there'll be a conservatism about looking to give him a 25-minute burst in the second half is, it would be my you know long-range guess at, at this stage um, for uh, tomorrow night, and, and it's it's something that you know you, you can be wrong on because if Valverde says United won't be expecting Dembélé, they won't like playing against him, and I'm fully confident that he's physically fit, then he's a natural athlete, and um, getting him in play quickly is is a risk worth taking. But my bet would be that you see him for half an hour, 25 minutes, 
um, in the second half, unless things go crazily wrong and he's needed earlier. That would be my estimate. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When he was always going to take something special to get past All Black on Saturday night and, and, and we saw it from that blistering finish from Suarez and then a delightful second from Messi and then obviously that was following on from, from their heroics against Villarreal in midweek. Um, the sheer relentlessness of that pair should be um, a real uh, concern for, for Manchester United on Wednesday. Of course it is because they're, they're you know Messi's never had a better partner in his life on the football pitch, and you know that augments the Messi danger because you know if you again if you strip it down to his bare elements it, it won't it isn't just Solskjaer who's like okay let's isolate Messi, let's not let him have the ball easily um, in terms of those who supply him, let's try to have two or three around him say one in front like Saul's in front as much as as he could be on Saturday. And, and Jimenez right in behind, you know, with his hand basically down the back of Messi's shorts. Um, people have, have attempted that type of, um, sort of triptych, close the ball suppliers, get somebody in front of Messi as well and have somebody right up his backside. That's not new, but it can work. And therefore, one of the things you don't want is that, you know, the special partnerships that, that Messi has, which is Suarez and Alba, function. So you're pinpointing the two of them, isn't? I know it's not just about their goal supply, um, because whatever I think I don't know what they've got sixty six this season between them. I don't know what it is, but it's it's a huge number of goals and assists between them this season, and um, they're intuitively linked. You're right that they, you know, if you think about how they destroyed Betis from a difficult position this season, the two of them, how they destroyed Sevilla from a losing position this spring. You, you pointed out the magic alpha, and we didn't see the 4-4 draw. Um, Messi had been on 
you know, for since minute 61, but they were they'd gone another goal down while he was on the pitch from 3 2 to 4 2. And the the Caceres, the young Argentinian, who's very lackadaisical in my view, concedes the free kick, and it's you know, it's, it's messy territory, but the the wall is well enough made. Asenko has been on great form. You know, Messi's scored two consecutive free kicks in the previous games. And you think, well, it's really rare to score three in a row. And it's, a, you know, it's a, a moment of huge pressure and everything's got to be just, oh, he's done it. And and the power of the ball in off Asenko's right post was just extraordinary. And Asenko's dive is, is well-timed in full length, but the ball's bounced off the post and gone in before he gets there. That's how hard it's been struck. And and then in minute 93, and they're still 4-3 down, and, and Messi's taking the corner. And you, you're like, well, if a miracle's going to happen, you, you kind of think Messi should be in the penalty area. <laughs> but instead, he takes the corner, and, uh, OK, Villarreal win the jump. But the miracle comes from Suarez's, you know, Suarez's goal against Villarreal, in my point of view, was much better than his goal against um, Atleti. A much might be too strong, but, like, you know, he's on his weaker foot, he's on his left, on the edge of the penalty area, nearly as far out as he is against Atleti, but on it, distinctly on his weaker foot. The technique is very difficult. He's got it, The fact that Asenjo has got to see the shots through a crowd of bodies doesn't negate the fact that Suarez has got to slot the ball through a crowd of bodies. And the technique of, of leaning with one arm out, right arm out, and, and planting his, his right sole flat on the ground to give absolute balance, and then taking that um, left foot at a sort of three o'clock angle and striking the ball utterly perfectly such that it's untouchable by a Senko. is it was extraordinary in the 93rd minute it was extraordinary technique for 4-4 so yeah obviously everybody listening to this will be saying yeah of course it's Suarez and Messi they've got to look out for but I think your point is bigger than that I think that if you if you break the partnership if you stop them from associating if you isolate Suarez and, and don't let him play five-a-side football then while his pace hasn't deserted him completely he is definitely you, you, there are moments when you see that he's 32 there are moments when you see that his meniscus pain uh, has has bothered him and, and not allowed him to train absolutely at absolute top for the last 18 months so break the partnership isolate Messi um listen in it all fair and love and war you know try and, and nickel Suarez a little bit and see if he can be temperamental uh, you know <laughs> the game's built on ideas like that and I would have thought that these things they need to do, but we we didn't talk about it when you asked about the you know the, the scouting report that the Solskjaer will have authored, and we haven't talked about it now. But it's it's absolutely clear too that as wonderful a player as he is on the ball, and as wonderful a player as he is under under pressure, because Busquets loves the big time and tends to raise his game enormously. He's had a very difficult uh, week. Uh, he 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 beat the for those who weren't listening to the commentary on 11 on Saturday night, you know, there was a Sami Kafur moment in the midweek at, at the Madrigal where Busquets was really routinely stripped of the ball in, in, in a way that you never see uh, by Villarreal who burst up the pitch and scored. And and he, knees on the ground, beat the ground with his hand like Kafur did in the camp now in 1999 in, in sheer fury and frustration at himself. And teams are, are, are trying to pick him off, trying to hassle him press him, trying to make him turn, try to make him chase. And that's hard because he's such a metronome. But if he's an inch off form, if he's misplacing passes, if he calculates a split second too slowly and is caught, then that's one of us on his weak places. And it's why now they often, and they will in the midweek, play double pivote, where Rakitic and Busquets effectively 
quite often turn the formation into 4-2-3-1. That, I think, is another reason that Coutinho has had more game time since Dembele's injury in that, you know, it's very often 4-2-3-1, although they don't line up like that. During a game, if you watch the position of Rakitic and Busquets, and Coutinho is neither a winger nor an out-and-out hard-working left midfielder, but a hybrid in between, that's why he's been able to keep that place with, you know, predominantly he'll be on the left of Messi who might be a 10 and Suarez is the 9 and then let's see who's the you know the right side um, whether it be Roberto overlapping or Semedo coming up as as wing back or occasionally you know it might be you know you can you can sometimes see uh, Alenia in there or in Vidal less so because Vidal is another man who helps and and would have played on on Saturday had he been not suspended and I think will start I think Artur's exceptional ability to to be the the conductor of the ball makes him valuable at Old Trafford, and maybe it's him. But Vidal has a big role because Vidal causes anarchy. Vidal presses and harasses and knocks players over and gets to things that he shouldn't be able to get to. And he's a one-man SAS squad in that uh, in that bus on a midfield, making little crazy commando raids into areas where he shouldn't get the ball, but. I can see his his enormous value. And maybe we see a four-man midfield with him and Artur and Rakitic and Busquets and, and a simple two up front. Maybe we see that because Artur's value is, is gigantic. And I think that he was exceptional on Saturday night. He was the one Barcelona player, and I mean at that stage the one Barcelona player, Messi included, who was not over-accelerating the play. The one who was imposing pattern and what they call here pausa, which is just the right thing every time, seeming to have more time in your head about what to do. And he was calming things and stopping Barcelona's play from being precipitated. And, you know, in the hurly-burly of Old Trafford, he could be extremely valued. So that wouldn't be a shock to me if uh, if Barcelona had both uh, Vidal and Artur with Rakitic and Busquets in the midfield. Just come back to the point in uh, Messi and Suarez, you're absolutely right. It was it was to do with that kind of intuitive understanding. That's the point I was trying to get at. And in, in terms of that understanding, I, th- I think it's like in a moment in modern football history, you know, watching these guys play together. And, you know, if, if listeners don't tune in so much to uh, every La Liga match or every Barcelona match, then they must take the opportunity on Wednesday night to watch it in action because it's a phenomenon. Well, that phenomenon would, would include the fact, I think, because I agree with you, Suarez is a centre-forward, irrespective of the array of talents he's he's been born with. By trade, you know, the reason that he's got, you know, tens of millions in his bank account is that he's a brilliant nine. And nines are selfish creatures. Nines play for themselves. And if they find somebody who they associate with, it's to serve them. So as brilliant as Sheringham was... You know, his role with Shearer was to serve Shearer. Suarez should be built a different way. He he should be thinking about like, well, how can I get my goal totaled at 45 this year? And the thing that makes him extraordinary, I think, you know, there's three layers to it. One, he is a brilliant nine. Two, being able to understand how to play with Messi is is the gift of the few because it's complicated. And then three, being willing to, I think. Um, to, to, to not, I wouldn't quite say that Suarez subjugates himself, but he demonstrates a level of, of camaraderie, generosity. I often use the idea of the cycling 
tour, the Tour de France or any of the tours, teams whereby, you know, you have domestiques who carry a load for the team leader. And for the team, they're absolutely fundamentally crucial. And they can be, as we've seen in the, in the, in the Brits who've come through recently, they can be very often just about as good as the team leader. And in due course, will break away and win gold medals and win tours on their own. And, and that's where Suarez is right now with Messi. But the thing that keeps making it a phenomenon is that Messi has never enjoyed a striker partner. He might have enjoyed Alves as much. He might have enjoyed Alba right now as much. But he's never enjoyed. And literally, you can see the enjoyment of them going, I tell you what, we'll, we'll manufacture this now. We'll do this now. Remember, we did this in training. And they're, they're, you know, they're playing Miles Davis jazz up there. They're, they're, you know, they're, it's, it's a combination of things that they know they can do plus free form. And, you know, Messi will happily give Suarez a, a chance to take a penalty kick. He'll, he'll dribble past two or three and then lay the ball on a plate for Suarez when he could finish. There's not a hint of me first in either of their games when they're together. And, and you don't get that often. You don't get that level of technique and friendship and understanding and mu- mutual benefits on a football pitch. Well, on a sports pitch, very often you, you just don't. Let's finish by talking a little bit more about Manchester United. I mean, it's been an interesting period for Solskjaer since he took over. I think since the great comeback against PSG last month, they've lost three out of four games, I think. A couple to Wolves, maybe lost to Arsenal. I think they struggled against Watford as well in the game they they did win. Where do you think they're at at the moment? I would imagine that playing, you know, a couple of games against Wolves with, you know, all... 10 men behind the ball and then playing against Barcelona's high line, completely different types of games. Where do you think Solskjaer's Man United are at present? You know, I'd be, I'd be hard-pressed to tell you because, you know, I was typically loud-mouthed about Manchester United needing to get rid of Mourinho. I thought that they waited too long to get rid of Mourinho. And I thought he was having a debilitating effect on a squad, which, in my view, should have been extreme contenders for a cup. And given that, you know, good luck to them. We've seen Watford in the FA Cup final. Um, I think that I think my point has been proven. They should have been extreme contenders for a top three finish. And again, in my opinion, they have the equipment to be at least this far in Europe. And and the reason that, again, in, in my... I, the, the, the tendency in Spain is you have to say, me opinion humilde. In my humble opinion, well, I'm not particularly humble on this point. I, I think that we're still seeing, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say Mourinho is at fault for everything, including Brexit, but there, there's been a degradation of squad confidence, of individual self belief. There's been a degradation of the type of football that this squad is capable of playing because they had so long under Mourinho, and and because genuinely, this is me um, drawing on what people who work at the club tell me, you know, a sucking out of the the daily joy of training at football and playing at football. And therefore, what I believe we, we are still seeing and what we saw in the first leg against Paris Saint-Germain, which was, you know, a, a rabbit caught in the headlights, is a squad which is, in my opinion, absolutely equipped to regularly play better football, to regularly impose themselves on games than than we're seeing right now. And that the you said, where are they right now? And I'm, I'm not 100% sure because I think that we'll be, 
irrespective of who gets cleared out or who gets bought, will be a lot clearer once there's a summer pre-season of players who are, are fully fit, fully fitness-wise prepared for a long four-trophy campaign season. When we see... Solskjaer drumming routines, automatismos, automatic ideas into his players from the start. We'll find out about him because irrespective of him having made things better at United than they were under Mourinho, and and despite these recent defeats, they are still better. We're learning about him, whether he's going to be the right coach. I think it's very patently, with nothing to learn about whether he's the right man, for United or for this job is, is he the right coach only you can't be definitive interpretively after such a short spell of what he did at Cardiff and Malta and, and, and since taking over at United you can't so we have things to learn about him where are they at right now I think they're at <clears throat> on a good night I think they're at a point where they could win the first leg uh, over two legs I think if Barcelona play well if they play at their if, they, if Barcelona play at their peak, they win. Um, if Barcelona don't play at their peak, then I think that they're facing a team which is equipped to put them out. In that, um, while Manchester, while it, nobody would struggle too hard to point out Manchester United's flaws, when you have say Matic and Herrera in biting and harassing at Rakitic and Busquets, particularly the the competition between Herrera and Busquets, I think is going to be absolutely fantastic. I can't see a situation where Herrera is not picked and Herrera's just ferocious willingness to get at Busquets and try and make life difficult for him to try and inspire mistakes, to try and trap him on the ball and rip the ball and then set, whether it be Marshall or Lingard or Rashford or Lukaku away. I think once one of the keys to the, to the tie is, is there. And, um, you know, in these names that I've, I've, used, whether it be Herrera or Pogba or Matt, it's feeding them. And which of the, the the strikers are picked quickly, you know, whether it's Lingard's wit and ability to run with the ball or whether it's Marshall's talent and pace or Rashford's talent and pace. And I do expect if Solskjaer's smart, and Michael Carrick will be telling him this, the way in which um, Rashford played Spain uh, in Seville in the autumn in the Nations League, that if they can get Barcelona in that situation where the ball is played in behind fullbacks to Rashford to, to either to pick up or to run onto and then to cut in diagonally, that that would be if I was a United fan a very exciting template for how to play this this Barcelona side, and therefore you know because Barcelona play high and their fullbacks rush on, and because United have exactly the players to take advantage of that, a, a massive amount of this tie is about who gets robbed of possession and what happens next. Because if United are robbed of possession and, and they're able to feed Alba or Samed or Suarez and Messi and, and the associative play on the run is at its peak, then Barcelona are devastating. If it's the other way around and, and possession is robbed, like we saw Busquets being robbed of possession once or twice for Atleti and a handful of times against Villarreal and, and the quicker, dynamic, powerful players of United are set one-on-one v Stegen, then, you know, you've, you, there's no reason United shouldn't be setting out to win this first tie. Get guaranteed that they do, and, I'm, and I haven't yet made a score tip, you'll notice, but um, that's, that's the side I see, potentially. But, if, but they can't play like they did against Paris Saint-Germain in the first leg. OK, that's our show, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed the game on Wednesday. Thanks for listening, and thanks, as always, to Graham Hunter.
Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. Please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you.